Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by Living Word Church. We trust that as you hear the Word of God preached, you'll be encouraged and equipped to love God and do His will. If you're looking for a church home, please feel free to visit our Sunday morning worship service at 10 a.m. or visit our website at www.livingwordchurch.cc. And now for our message. Hey, good morning. It's good to see you. I missed you last week. Um, yeah, I want to say, I just want to start by saying, um, on behalf of my wife's family and myself, thank you so much for the prayers and the support and text messages and the multiple ways of showing your love and concern. It means a lot. It's been a very difficult week for our family. If you don't know, my, uh, my mother-in-law, uh, Vivian Wilkinson, um, she suffered an aneurysm last Saturday night and was bleeding pretty bad into her brain. Uh, all that went along with that, the emergency, the pain, that kind of thing. They were able to stop the bleeding, but she has been kind of in and out all week long. Uh, she started out on life support. Um, they took her off the breathing mechanism, though she's in an oxygen tent. It's like a giant helmet thing, uh, which is very upsetting to her. Um, and it's been a roller coaster ride. My wife left. Uh, my wife left me. You've never... <laughs> You haven't, you, haven't, you haven't lived until you buy your life a one-way ticket, your wife a one-way ticket to another country, right? And you're like, oh, I wonder how this is going to end. But anyways, so it's been, a, it's been a crazy week, and I've been home kind of just trying to keep myself busy, um, trying to help do logistics for them. Uh, there's a lot of things going on, but I just want to say thank you uh, for your prayers, your continued prayers. Um, we're actually finding some help from some of the LifeLink churches in the UK, which is a huge blessing. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit just overwhelmed and super grateful for all the, the support we've found. So thank you for that. I want to start even just by saying a few things about my in-laws. Uh, many of you never met them. You don't know them. If you've been around for a little while, you will have met them. <clears throat> They're English, of course. My wife was born and raised in Yorkshire, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. It's as you would imagine, just gorgeous, um, just like her. Hope she's listening. But anyway, so my wife came to America. She had the travel bug, and she wanted to travel after she went to university, and so she came to the States. And uh, in coming to the States, she found friends in this church. The former pastor, her wife and family, uh, Chuck and Vi Pals, took her in as kind of one of their own daughters. And so she stayed for six weeks, then was in and out, back and forth, and it didn't take long for her to fall in love with me. Um, we dated for about seven months. We were engaged for six months. And so her parents got to know me a little bit during that process, but um, there was a perfect sequence of events when um, I had a friend, some of you remember Tim Larson, who was getting married in England. Um, he grew up in this church, and he went to school in England for a bit. And at the same time, Samantha's grandmother passed away, her dad's mother. I had never met her, but I attended her funeral. And so we arranged for myself and my older brother and Sam to fly over together to, um, to go to the funeral and to go to my friend's wedding. And I thought, as long as we're over there, I might as well ask her to marry me. Because, you know, how often do you go to England for the weekend? And so I did. We, we went to my, my father-in-law's mother's funeral on the Friday. 
the night of the funeral, I asked Norman if he would take a walk with me. And he's like, sure, be happy to. So as we kind of walked around his neighborhood, I asked for his blessing for the permission to marry his daughter. You got to wonder about a guy that asks a man to marry his daughter on the day he buries his mother. But I didn't have a lot of time to work with. And so I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, well, David, Vivian and I have been praying. And in our praying, the Lord has confirmed to us that you are the right man for our daughter. And I was expecting, you know, you have these things. You expect a lot of questions, a lot of expectation, a few threats, whatever. <laughs> Maybe even like, are you going to take my wife to Amer- my daughter to America? There's so many things. And he didn't say that. He said, I want you to know that my wife and I have prayed. And the Lord has reassured us, he's told us, that you're the right man for my daughter. And so the rest of it, the rest of the walk was just talking about um, just so many things, how much I loved his daughter, and I was assuring him that I would be faithful and I would do my best to take care of her, and he wanted to know when. And I said, well, I actually have the ring in my pocket, Norman. What do you, I don't know. Can you help me this weekend? <laughs> so then we planned out when I would ask the question. And that was the precedent that they set for Sam and I that you ask the Lord, and the Lord will speak to you, and then you just obey it. And that's how they've lived their life, even because the effects of that was I took their daughter to America. We've lived our life here for the last 24 years this month. We've raised our kids here, and their role in their lives has been different because they've been so far away. But they demonstrated to me what it really means to live by faith. When you hear what the Lord says, when you ask the Lord and he speaks to you, and then you just go through with it. They have been such a great blessing and support to Sam and I and to our kids. They're just lovely people. Her dad and her mom. Her mom's feisty, a feisty English woman. There's like a long lineage of firstborn women in the Wilkinson family, of which I have like one, and I also, you know, my, my, youngest da- my oldest daughter's one. But they have been profoundly... Um, a good example of living by faith. And so during this time when Vivian is so ill and still in the ICU and still touch and go, I go back to that. And I remember their, the way they've modeled faith and the way they've modeled trusting the Lord with their daughter, with my family, and with me. And it's an example. And so now in these days, we say, Lord, let it be today as it's always been, trusting you, hearing from you, And then just in the consequences of whatever it means to obey the Lord, finding the blessing of God in it. And so it's been a real blessing to me. And it's been, as I've dealt with my own grief and just kind of sorrow for things changing, and whether she lives with some sort of disability or the Lord takes her, um, knowing that she's in the Lord's hands, that we're all in the Lord's hands, it's a great assurance. And so, anyways, I thought I'd share that story. Uh, because as we go into God's word, I, I'm conscious of the fact that I want, to, I want to take us into God's word and not into my emotions. And my emotions are real this morning. Um, but there's strength for us here. There's, there's the word of God that speaks to us. And if we obey it, if we obey it, the Lord promises that we'd be like the one who built their house upon the rock. That even when the storms come, you'll be safe. You will stand secure. So let's pray. 
I've got some things in my heart I want to share with you from God's word, and, and uh, I trust it'll, it'll build strength into your life as well. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for just your constant love and care and guidance in our life. Lord, I thank you for people like Norman and Vivian who have, for me, played such a, a profound uh, example of what it means to trust the Lord, to trust you and to live for you, to not lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge that as we commit our ways to you, you'll make our paths straight. God, I pray for them. I pray for Sam and her brother. I, I ask God that you deliver them from this trial. I pray that you'd raise up Vivian, God, from her bed. God, that they would just delight themselves in you and continue to um, give you all the glory. Lord, we pray that in the meantime that you would watch over and sustain them. God, I pray for us that you would do the same. For they're one example of all of our lives that we face these challenges and trials and disappointments and death and so many sorrows. God, I pray that you would cause our own faith to stand up within our heart, that we might declare you good on the days of sunshine and the days of rain, and that, God, you might, by your grace, cause us to stand in the storm and proclaim your glory and your, your greatness. Thank you for this church, God, and I pray that as we go through your word that you would build in us just a firm foundation. God, we commit these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, you know I've been preaching in John, and so I've gotten to the end of kind of where I thought we'd go for Easter and kind of the build-up to Easter. So now I'm just cherry-picking a few things from John that I wasn't able to get to during the John 17, 18, 19, 20, those chapter series. And so I want to say, share some things with you today, which John does in his gospel, which talks about what it means to really live. John says several times in his gospel that if you believe in Jesus, that you will have life, right? And the life that he talks about is not just talking about physical existence, but the word that they use, John uses in Greek, it's called Zoe life. Have you heard the word Zoe life? How many, we got a couple, we got a Zoe that, you know, some, you name your daughter Zoe because you want her just to be full of life. And this idea of Zoe life, it's a very profound descriptive word in the Greek. And it has to do with the rich, full expression of life as God intended it to live, to be lived. With, with this, this sense of the fullness, almost God's life in us. Not just human life, not just your inner world trying to be happy in different ways, but this expression of full, pure, rich, dynamic, creative, purposeful life. That we were created and we were made and we were born to reflect and to participate in the life, the very life of God. And I want us to see that because John, from the first chapter straight through the middle to the very end, his main message in the gospel is that if you believe in Christ, if you hitch your trailer to Jesus, if you say, I have faith and I'm going to follow Jesus with my life, with all that I have, every category you can think of, with my money, with my time, with my talents, with my interests, with, with whatever I have. The promise and the testimony of the gospel is that you will find life that is really life. Not just normal human existence in the fallen world that we know. It's a bold claim. It's a radical boast that John would say that if you follow Jesus, if you believe and you have faith and you put your trust in him and you obey his word and you go for it, 
You give it all. Because the cost is everything. It's, you can't just do it halfway. You will find life that is really life. That was a hard message for me to hear this week. Because my family's suffering. I have these little windows because of the time change and Wi-Fi and all the different things. Like these little windows to talk to my wife and get, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. And every day, it's, well, there's this, there's this little nugget of progress. Oh, great. And there's this another huge problem. Or my dad's not coping well. Or my brother's really struggling. Or we're not, you know. And, and every day, with every little bit of progress, there's a brand new challenge. It didn't feel like life. I felt like I was just kind of coasting. I felt like I was just kind of getting by. And so I'm reading in God's word that there's life, real life, when you trust in Jesus. And then I'm seeing the reality of what life on planet Earth often looks like. Amen? So let me just take you. I feel like the Lord's just given me three places I want to jump into. The first one is in John chapter 1. If you turn your Bibles, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. It's the very beginning of the gospel. And I want to highlight on verse 4, but it says this. In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Verse 4. In him, speaking of Jesus, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You find in these first couple verses of Genesis, or of, of, of John, a kind of a repeating, an echo of what we find in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis. In the beginning, right? In the beginning. That's, in the beginning, that in Hebrew is Genesis. No fancy title for that book. It means in the beginning. And so the gospel of John starts out, in the beginning was Jesus, the word, the logos, the wisdom of ages. And it says, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And so my first point I want to make, I, I want to make three points. Number one is, in life, there's real life. There's God-breathed life. My second point is going to be this. In struggle, there's real God-breathed life. And in death, there is real God-breathed life. Those are my three points. You can go to sleep now. But in life... There is God-breathed life. You know, when in creation, God makes things. But creation was more than just God forming and shaping the earth and the sun and the stars and the cows and the creepy things that crawl around the ground and then humanity. He didn't just make things so things would exist. He created the planet and he created humanity so that this place would be filled with life that is true life. It's not just existence that was God's purpose. Is that we would, but rather that we would experience the fullness of what it means to have the Zoe life, the breath of God in us. You see that in those first chapters of Genesis. That this rich, full, joyful life, one overflowing with meaningful activities and the personal favor and blessing of God and giving glory to God in all those things. That's why God created you. That's why you exist. 
not to exist, just to be here, but that from you would flow something that is the very life of God. In life, there is supposed to be life. You follow me? Now, if I said, how many of you just kind of getting by, checking off the days, trying to get through minimum low expectations? That's not God's purpose and God's heart for you. The scripture says that whatever happens, doesn't matter what occurs in your life, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That your life is to be expended and spent and lived in a worthy manner. Not just simple existence, sustenance, but in the very dynamic of purpose and meaning and expression of the glory of God. Right? We, we know the New Testament says whatever you do, whether you eat or whether you sleep, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. There's meant to be meaning, purpose, and glory in it. And here's, here's some of the crazy parts, is that some of the most me- menial things, some of the most menial things, are some of the most profound moments to glorify God. Some of you have taken in children that weren't your own. There's nothing more gritty than raising a kid. Wiping the snot and cleaning the other parts, getting the food in, teaching them not to stick their fingers in sockets. And, right? it's, just, it's just constant grueling. It's like a million meaning, menial things per day. And the sum of that is a profound life that has lived well, right? Your parents know that. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, that your life would express profound meaning and be filled with profound life. That's why Jesus says, if you want to find your life, you're going to have to lose it. Because if you live it for yourself, if you absorbed in your own stuff, there'll be no life in your life. If you want life in your life, give it away. Spend it on others. See the glory of God. Creation is not just about things existing. Creation was this platform where the life of God might be fully lived and expressed. And brothers and sisters, it's meant to be lived and expressed in you. For when you were created, he breathed into your lungs. And the very breath that comes out of you is meant to express the beauty and the grace and the fullness of God's life. When God created humanity in Genesis 1.26, one of my... Come my favorite verses. He says, let's make, let's make mankind, man and woman. Let's make man in our own image, God says, in the beauty of his own trinity. Let us make him in our image. Let us, let's let him reflect and participate in who it is that, that we as the Godhead are. That there would be glory and dignity and the profound nature of what it means to be man or woman. Oh, it's just seeping with life and profoundness. And yet we often live in this base, awful, low-level existence. Following Jesus will bring you to life in your life. If you obey him, if you give yourself to him, you'll find the life you've wanted. And so many people, it's such a matter degree, 10%, 20%, how much is it, you know? And the reality is, is, unless you really give it all, 
you don't really find the life. It's not like Jesus was partially crucified. It's not like he partially rose from the dead. He's like, well, I got three quarters of me up with that left arm. Just didn't resurrect with me. I don't mean to be sacrilegious, but you get the point. It's an all or nothing thing. Give it all. Some of the reasons why you're not finding the life that's supposed to be in life, you're not fully surrendered. It's not whatever happens. It's if the right things happen. I will live my life in a manner worthy of the gospel. So God fills us with dignity, and he fills us with community, and the differences between man and woman, they were completely naked. I've preached this before, but the differences were just glaring, (laughs) glaring differences. Just like in our world, glaring differences in people and races and language and cultures, glaring differences. But he meant for us to be different, but in this perfect, beautiful community together. Marissa, it blessed me so much to hear you talk about what it means to being alive and open in church. It really does. You're not Marissa. <laughs> what happened to you? What did you do to your sister? I'm like, why is that baby aunt? Oh. Paging Marissa Barnes. Marissa Barnes, please report to the sanctuary. To find community, find blessing. So there's supposed to be life in life, and Jesus says that if you believe in me, if you trust in me, if you follow me, there will be life in your life. Second thing I want you to see is this, John 10.10. For the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, and that you might have it abundantly. There's not be no lacking of life in your life. But I want you to see this. So John 1, life in your life. John 10, right smack dab in the middle. Life in your struggles. Life in your suffering. We live in a context where there's a thief stealing and killing and destroying. And we fight that every day. We see the reality of that all the time. Whether it's in a sickness and your body's not working right or your mind's not working right, whether it's in the struggle of finances or relationships or whatever is broken or stolen or wrecked in our world and you don't have to go anywhere special to find that, there is theft and killing and destruction happening. And when Jesus says, I've come that you might have life and life to the full, it's not because he's going to somehow like two separate worlds. No, it's in the world of death and theft and destruction that comes out this abundant life right from the context of the brokenness. That there is meant to be life in our suffering. Now we're together. Because we all know the heartaches. We all know the sufferings. We all know the disappointments, don't we? Living with disappointments in life. Suck the wind right out of your spiritual life. I'm suffocating from disappointments. And it doesn't matter what kind of disappointment, whether it's like a low-level disappointment. I got to drive in and out of the city all the time. I'm so frustrated by it. I went to the Chinese buffet, and they were out of sweet and sour. 
You pile up enough low-level disappointments and you just sucks the wind right out of your spiritual life. You're just like, oh, life is so hard and just... Or maybe you've got some mid-level disappointments, right? Relationship that you really thought was going to go the distance. They dump you, they break up with you, and you're just like, oh. You just feel lonely in life, and your friendships just don't seem to work out, and you're like, man, stinks. You don't need many mid-level Disappointments. The job you wanted, you didn't get it, and so you just, uh. You're always struggling, finance, whatever. Some mid-level disappointments. You're like, you don't need many of them. It'll slow your spiritual pulse down. Or maybe you've had some high-level disappointments. That loved one you cared so much about died. You don't know why God didn't save them. That marriage that you worked so hard on, it died. You don't know why God didn't save it. That child that you spent all those million menial things every day to raise them into a profound human being, it's rebellious. Doesn't appreciate it. Living like a fool. Just some long-lasting questions about why God hasn't delivered you from some besetting sin and you just continue to fail and struggle and it's just like this high level disappointment and you live in a desert of disappointments Jesus didn't say that I came to bring life and life to the full that somehow you would be separated from the context of the thief who's stealing, killing and destroying he simply said that if you hook your trailer to mine, to me, if you follow me, if you believe in me, there will be a remedy to the thief. The thief will be put down. That which is stolen will be returned to you. That which was destroyed will be fixed, and that which was killed will be raised to life. If you follow me. There's life in the battle. There's life in the suffering. There's life in the desert of disappointment. You know, some of the great laments of the Bible, some of us don't know what to do with the laments. You know what lament is? Roughly translated to complain, to grieve, to say what the blank in biblical terms. Jesus on the cross quotes a psalm of lament, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why do you not listen to me and act on my behalf? Where are you? Says the psalm. A lament is that painful decision to say, I am going to get in God's presence even when I just don't want to be near him. In honesty and in pain and in suffering, I will get before the Lord and I will say, God, where are you? Those who lament find hope. Those who lament find strength. Those who get in God's presence, even when they don't want to be there, 
who stand in this room and lift their hands with tears in their eyes, who get on their knees and open their Bible and say, Lord, I don't want to hear a thing from you, but here I am. Those who suffer well is the promise of life, that in the desert it's cactus, it's prickly, it's horrible, and yet somehow there's a flower that blooms in the desert. And God brings life, Zoe life, God-breathed life into your suffering. Do you know what I'm talking about? Communion with the Father and with friends. Communion with the Father and with friends in the midst of the desert and the cactuses brings flowers. It brings life. We don't like to lament. We don't like, we got two, we got two positions. Everything is fine, everything is wonderful, no problems here. Or everything is horrible, I don't want to hear anything. Right? We just got, we got, I got two gears, forward and reverse. I'm going for it, no problem. I'm lying to you, but everything's fine. Or I give up on everything, I don't want to hear it, get out of my face. But where are those, where are those who have the, the, the trust in the Lord, that say everything is not okay, but I'm trusting in him. Everything is not okay. I'm in the presence of the thief, but I'm standing, I'm hitching my trailer to the Lord Almighty. I'm saying I believe in him, I trust in him, I am all his, and I'm believing for the life that's abundant life. I want to end this second point with a scripture very reassuring scripture. It's from John 10. Shortly after John 10, 10 says that I have come to give you life and life to the full. And John 10, 27 says this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. I give them Zoe life. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. There's no better place to be in your suffering or your hardship as you face the thief who seeks to kill, to steal, and destroy. There's Marissa. Welcome back, Marissa. There's no safer place than to be in the hands of the ones who won't let you go. Right? My last point is this. John 20, 31, speaking of the gospel, speaking of John 20, but the gospel as a whole, says these things, John says, I picked these things to tell you, these things that I've written in this gospel, I have written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. Very powerful words. He says, I've written these things, and in the chapter that follows, you'll see in, in John chapter 20, he speaks to Peter about his death. Third point is this, that there is life, Zoe life. God breathed life, even in death. 
Death used to be our enemy. But we have a Savior that overcame our enemy. We have a victorious Savior who experienced death and rose again from it. So that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. Which means this, that he rose from the grave. And so too all that attach to him, all those who trust and follow him, they too will rise from the grave. That tends to mean a lot to you when the grave is near. When you're young, you don't think about the grave. Jesus says to Peter, very truly I say to you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. You went where you wanted. But when you got old, when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And they will lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would what? Glorify God. And he said to him, follow me. Right? You follow me, Peter, and I'll stretch your arms out, and for the glory of God, I'll kill you. People don't like it when I say that. I believe that we live on this earth for no more and no less days than God wants us here. He places us in the places, the times, and the places, determines them on our behalf, and then he takes us when he wants us. Life is given And life is taken from the gracious hands of our Heavenly Father. But here's the thing. Jesus said, Peter and me, you have life. And even on that day when you're old and you stretch out your hands, Peter was crucified like Jesus. But Peter wouldn't have it. Peter says, I will not be crucified like my Lord. I'm not worthy. And so they crucified Peter upside down. But Peter, when you die, It'll be this way, and it'll be for the glory of God. Who wants to die for the glory of God? I'm not now. I'm not saying now. Come on, not now. But when you go, when it is your time, will it be sweet or will it be bitter? Will it be to the glory of God, or will it be in some understandable, selfish clinging to life that is no longer yours. There's a scandal in Christianity today. It's between D.L. Moody and Billy Graham. Everyone's quoting this quote from Billy Graham about when he died, but it's been found out that Billy Graham stole it from D.L. Moody. (laughs) I'm sure D.L. Moody didn't mind at all. D.L. Moody was one of the great preachers, American preachers of the 19th century. And he is quoted and owned his quote by one of the great preachers, the great preacher of the 20th century. Here's what it says. Someday you will read or you will hear that Billy Graham slash D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive then than I am now. I will have just changed my address. I will have gone into the very presence of God. This is a hard message for me to hear this week as I'm preparing it. I think if I hadn't already determined in my mind to preach this message, I wouldn't have preached it this week. 
because I didn't want to talk about death. I don't want to think about losing loved ones into the presence of God. But I needed to hear it. It's the reality of God's gracious, generous, abundant, full, rich, abiding life, Zoe life. So let there be life in your life. Amen? Let there be life in your struggle. Amen? And by the grace of God, let there be life in your death. That last one was a little bit more somber. Stand with me. I'll pray. Team, come on up. We're going to sing Build My Life as a closing. And I want to give you an invitation to come out of the desert. Your desert of discouragement. Trust the Lord. Wherever he's got you, cling to him. Follow him. I want to give you an invitation to come to life, not just human life, but spiritual life. Say, Lord, breathe on me again. That's what spirit means. It means breath, breath of God. Let the wind blow upon you. (laughs) Say, Lord, bring me out of survival mode. Bring me into life that's really life. There is a thousand more verses in John. Well, not quite a thousand, but many. And every one of them says, by believing, you might have life. If you trust me, you'll have life. If you have faith, you will have life. It's a simple equation. I invite you to trust the Lord today, whether for the first time or if you've been following for many years. Say, Lord, afresh again, I'm yours. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word, which is so rich, so powerful, so challenging, so real, so wonderful. Let us hear it and let us obey it. Let us receive it with wholeheartedness. God, that you would remove the obstacles of faith, that you would bring us into dynamic living as children of God. We love you. We thank you. God, we commit those around us, maybe those who are struggling with sicknesses. Lord, let your life visit them. Come and abide with them. Raise them up or take them home. But God, let there be glory in it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.